This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information and to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. King Solomon's Mines by L. Ryder Haggard Chapter 10 The Witch Hunt On reaching our tent, I motioned to Infadus to enter with us. Now, Infadus, I said, we would speak with thee. But my lord, say on. It seems to us, Infadus, that Twala the king is a cruel man. It is so, my lords. Alas, the land cries out because of his cruelties. Tonight you shall see. It is the great witch hunt, and many will be smelt out as wizards and slain. No man's life is safe. If the king covets a man's cattle or a man's wife, or if he fears a man that he should excite a rebellion against him, then Gagool, whom you saw, or some of the witch-finding women whom she has taught, will smell that man out as a wizard, and he will be killed. Many must die before the moon grows pale tonight. It is ever so. Perhaps I, too, shall be killed. As yet, I have been spared, because I am skilled in war, and am beloved by the soldiers. But I know not how long I have to live. The land groans at the cruelties of Twala, the king. It is wearied of him and his red ways. Then why is it, Enfadus, that the people do not cast him down? Nay, my lords, he is the king. And if he were killed, Scraga would reign in his place. And the heart of Scraga is blacker than the heart of Twala, his father. If Scraga were king, his yoke upon our neck would be heavier than the yoke of Twala. If Imotu had never been slain, or if Ignosi, his son, had lived, it might have been otherwise. But they are both dead. How knowest thou that Ignosi is dead? said a voice behind us. We looked round astonished to see who spoke. It was Umbopa. What meanest thou, boy? asked Infadus. Who told thee to speak? Listen, Infadus, was the answer, and I will tell thee a story. Years ago the king Imotu was killed in this country, and his wife fled with the boy Ignosi. Is it not so? It is so. It was said that the woman and her son died upon the mountains. Is it not so? It is even so. Well, it came to pass that the mother and the boy Ignosi did not die. They crossed the mountains and were led by a tribe of wandering desert men across the sands beyond, till at last they came to water and grass and trees again. How knowest thou this? Listen, they traveled on and on, many months' journey, till they reached a land where a people called the Amazulu, who are also of the Kukuana stock, lived by war, and with them they tarried many years, till at length the mother died. Then the son Ignosi became a wanderer again, and journeyed into a land of wonders, where white people live, and for many more years, he learned the wisdom of the white people. 
"'It is a pretty story,' said Infadus incredulously. "'For years he lived there, working as a servant and a soldier, "'but holding in his heart all that his mother had told him of his own place, "'and casting about in his mind to find how he might journey thither "'to see his people and his father's house before he died. "'For long years he lived and waited, and at last the time came.' as it ever comes to him who can wait for it. And he met some white men who would seek this unknown land, and joined himself to them. The white men started and traveled on and on, seeking for one who was lost. They crossed the burning desert, they crossed the snow-clad mountains, and at last reached the land of the Kukuanas. And there they found thee, O Infadus, "'Surely thou art mad to talk thus,' said the astonished old soldier. "'Thou thinkest so. See, I will show thee, O my uncle. "'I am Ignosi, rightful king of the Kukuanas.' "'Then with a single movement Umbopa slipped off his muka or girdle "'and stood naked before us. "'Look,' he said, "'what is this?' and he pointed to the picture of a great snake tattooed in blue round his middle, its tail disappearing into its open mouth just above where the thighs are set into the body. Infadus looked, his eyes starting nearly out of his head. Then he fell upon his knees. Coom, coom, he ejaculated. It is my brother's son. It is the king. Did I not tell thee so, my uncle? Rise, I am not yet the king, but with thy help, and with the help of these brave white men, who are my friends, I shall be. Yet the old witch Gagul was right, the land shall run with blood first, and hers shall run with it, if she has any, and can die, for she killed my father with her words, and drove my mother forth. And now, Infadus, choose now. Will thou put thy hands between my hands and be my man? Will thou share the dangers that lie before me, and help me to overthrow this tyrant and murderer? Or will thou not choose thou? The old man put his hand to his head and thought. Then he rose, and advancing to where Umbopa, or rather Ignosi, stood, he knelt before him and took his hand. Ignosi, rightful king of the Kukuanas, I put my hand between thy hands, and am thy man till death. When thou wast a babe, I dandled thee upon my knees. Now shall my old arm strike for thee and freedom. It is well, Infadus. If I conquer, thou shalt be the greatest man in the kingdom after the king. If I fail... Thou canst only die, and death is not far off from thee. Rise, my uncle. And ye, ye white men, will ye help me? What have I to offer you? The white stones. If I conquer and can find them, ye shall have as many as ye can carry hence. Will that suffice you? I translated this remark. 
"'Tell him,' answered Sir Henry, "'that he mistakes an Englishman. "'Wealth is good, and if it comes in our way we will take it, "'but a gentleman does not sell himself for wealth. "'Still, speaking for myself, I say this. "'I have always liked Umbopa, "'and so far as lies in me I will stand by him in this business.' "'It will be very pleasant to me to try to square matters with that cruel devil Twala. "'What do you say, Good, and you, Quartermain?' "'Well,' said Good, "'to adopt the language of hyperbole, in which all these people seem to indulge, "'you can tell that a row is surely good, and warms the cockles of the heart, "'and that so far as I am concerned I am his boy.' My only stipulation is that he allows me to wear trousers. I translated the substance of these answers. It is well, my friends, said Ignosi, late Umbopa. And what sayest thou, Macumazan? Art thou also with me, old hunter, cleverer than a wounded buffalo? I thought a while and scratched my head. Umbopa, or Ignosi, I said, I don't like revolutions. I am a man of peace and a bit of a coward. Here Umbopa smiled. But on the other hand, I stick up for my friends, Ignosi. You have stuck to us and played the part of a man, and I will stick by you. But mind you, I am a traitor and have to make my living, so I accept your offer about those diamonds in case we should ever be in position to avail ourselves of it. Another thing, we came, as you know, to look for Inkubu, Sir Henry's lost brother. You must help us to find him. That I will do, answered Ignosi. Stay, Infadus, by the sign of the snake about my middle, tell me the truth. Has any white man, to thy knowledge, "'set his foot within the land. "'None, O Ignosi. "'If any white man had been seen or heard of, "'wouldst thou have known? "'I should certainly have known. "'Thou hearest, Inkubu, said Ignosi to Sir Henry. "'He has not been here.' "'Well, well,' said Sir Henry with a sigh. There it is. I suppose that he never got so far. Poor fellow, poor fellow. So it has all been for nothing. God's will be done. Now for business, I put in, anxious to escape from a painful subject. It is very well to be a king by right divine, Ignosi, but how does that propose to become a king indeed? Nay, I know not, Infadus. Hast thou a plan? Ignosi, son of the lightning, answered his uncle. Tonight is the great dance and witch hunt. Many shall be smelt out and perish, and in the hearts of many others there will be grief and anguish and fury against the king Twala. When the dance is over, then I will speak to some of the great chiefs who in turn, if I can win them over, will speak to their regiments. I shall speak to the chiefs softly at first, 
and bring them to see that thou art indeed the king. And I think that by tomorrow's light thou shalt have twenty thousand spears at thy command. And now I must go and think, and hear, and make ready. After the dance is done, if I am yet alive, and we are all alive, I will meet thee here, and we can talk. At best there must be war. At this moment our conference was interrupted by the cry that messengers had come from the king. Advancing to the door of the hut, we ordered that they should be admitted, and presently three men entered, each bearing a shining shirt of chain armor and a magnificent battle-axe. "'The gifts of my lord, the king, to the white men from the stars,' said a herald who came with them. "'We thank the king,' I answered. "'Withdraw.' "'The men went, and we examined the armor with great interest. "'It was the most wonderful chain-work that either of us had ever seen. "'A whole coat fell together so closely that it formed a mass of links, "'scarcely too big to be covered with both hands.' "'Do you make these things in this country, in Fadus?' I asked. "'They are very beautiful.' "'Nay, my lord, they came down to us from our forefathers. "'We know not who made them, and there are but few left.' "'Editor's Note. "'In the Sudan, swords and coats of mail are still worn by Arabs "'whose ancestors must have stripped them from the bodies of crusaders.' None but those of royal blood may be clad in them. They are magic coats through which no spear can pass, and those who wear them are well nigh safe in the battle. The king is well pleased, or much afraid, or he would not have sent these garments of steel. Clothe yourselves in them tonight, my lords. The remainder of that day we spent quietly, "'resting and talking over the situation, which was sufficiently exciting. "'At last the sun went down, the thousand watch-fires glowed out, "'and through the darkness we heard the tramp of many feet "'and the clashing of hundreds of spears "'as the regiments passed to their appointed places "'to be ready for the great dance. "'Then the full moon shone out in splendor, "'and as we stood watching her rays, Infadus arrived, clad in his war-dress, and accompanied by a guard of twenty men to escort us to the dance. As he recommended, we had already donned the shirts of chain armor which the king had sent us, putting them on under our ordinary clothing, and finding to our surprise that they were neither very heavy nor uncomfortable. These steel shirts, which evidently had been made for men of a very large stature, hung somewhat loosely upon Good and myself, but Sir Henry's fitted his magnificent frame like a glove. Then, strapping our revolvers round our waists, and taking in our hands the battle-axes which the king had sent with the armor, we started. On arriving at the great corral, where we had that morning been received by the king, we found that it was closely packed with some twenty thousand men arranged round it in regiments. These regiments were, in turn, divided into companies 
and between each company ran a little path to allow space for the witch-finders to pass up and down. Anything more imposing than the sight that was presented by this vast and orderly concourse of armed men it is impossible to conceive. There they stood, perfectly silent, and the moon poured her light upon the forest of their raised spears, upon their majestic forms, waving plumes, and the harmonious shading of their various colored shields. Wherever we looked were line upon line of dim faces surrounded by range upon range of shimmering spears. Surely, I said to Enfadus, the whole army is here. Nay, Macumazan, he answered, but a third of it. One-third is present at this dance each year. Another third is mustered outside in case there should be trouble when the killing begins. Ten thousand more garrison the outposts round Lou, and the rest watch at the corrals in the country. Thou seest it is a great people. They are very silent, said Good, and indeed the intense stillness among such a vast concourse of living men was almost overpowering. "'What says Bougwan?' asked Infadus. "'I translated. "'Those over whom the shadow of death is hovering are silent,' he answered grimly. "'Will many be killed?' "'Very many.' "'It seems,' I said to the others, "'that we are going to assist at a gladiatorial show arranged regardless of expense.' Sir Henry shivered, and Good said that he wished we could get out of it. "'Tell me,' I asked Infadus, "'are we in danger?' "'I know not, my lords. I trust not. But do not seem afraid. If you live through the night, all may go well with you. The soldiers murmur against the king.' All this while we had been advancing steadily towards the centre of the open space, in the midst of which were placed some stools. As we proceeded, we perceived another small party coming from the direction of the royal hut. It is the king, Twala, Scraga, his son, and Gagul, the old. And see, with them are those who slay, said Infadus, pointing to a little group of about a dozen gigantic and savage-looking men, armed with spears in one hand, and heavy carries in the other. The king seated himself upon the center stool. Gagool crouched at his feet, and the others stood behind him. "'Greeting, white lords,' Twala cried as we came up. "'Be seated. Waste not precious time. The night is all too short for the deeds that must be done. Ye come in a good hour,' and shall see a glorious show. Look round, white lords, look round, and he rolled his one wicked eye from regiment to regiment. Can the stars show you such a sight as this? See how they shake in their wickedness, all those who have evil in their hearts, and fear the judgment of heaven above. Begin, begin, piped Gagool in her thin, piercing voice. The hyenas are hungry. They howl for food. Begin, begin. 
For a moment there was intense stillness, made horrible by a presage of what was to come. The king lifted his spear, and suddenly twenty thousand feet were raised, as though they belonged to one man, and brought down with a stamp upon the earth. This was repeated three times, causing the solid ground to shake and tremble. Then from a far point of the circle a solitary voice began a wailing song of which the refrain ran something as follows. What is the lot of man born of women? Back came the answer rolling out from every throat in that vast company. Death! Gradually, however, the song was taken up by company after company till the whole armed multitude were singing it, and I could no longer follow the words except in so far as they appeared to represent various phases of human passions, fears, and joys. Now it seemed to be a love song, now a majestic swelling war chant, and last of all a death dirge, ending suddenly in one heart-breaking wail that went echo and rolling away in a volume of blood-curdling sound. Again silence fell upon the place, and again it was broken by the king lifting his hand. Instantly we heard a pattering of feet, and from out of the masses of warriors strange and awful figures appeared running towards us. As they drew near we saw that these were women, most of them aged, for their white hair, ornamented with small bladders taken from fish, streamed out behind them. Their faces were painted in stripes of white and yellow. Down their backs hung snake-skins, and round their waists rattled circlets of human bones, while each held a small forked wand in her shriveled hand. In all there were ten of them. When they arrived in front of us they halted, and one of them, pointing with her wand towards the crouching figure of Gagul, cried out, "'Mother, old mother, we are here!' "'Good, good!' "'Good,' answered that aged iniquity. "'Are your eyes keen, Isanusis, witch-doctresses, "'ye seers in dark places? "'Mother, they are keen. "'Good, good, good. "'Are your ears open, Isanusis, "'ye who hear words that come not from the tongue? "'Mother, they are open. "'Good, good, good.' Are your senses awake, Isanusis? Can ye smell blood? Can ye purge the land of the wicked ones who compass evil against the king and against their neighbors? Are ye ready to do justice of heaven above, ye whom I have taught, who have eaten of the bread of my wisdom and drunk of the water of my magic? Mother, we can. Then go. Tarry not, ye vultures. See. The slayers, pointing to the ominous group of executioners behind, make sharp their spears. The white men from afar are hungry to see. Go! With a wild yell, Gagool's horrid ministers broke away in every direction, like fragments from a shell, the dry bones round their waists rattling as they ran, and headed for various points of the dense human circle. We could not watch them all. 
so we fixed our eyes upon the Isanusi nearest to us. When she came to within a few paces of the warriors, she halted and began to dance wildly, turning round and round with an almost incredible rapidity, and shrieking out sentences such as, I smell him, the evildoer! He is near, he who poisoned his mother! I hear the thoughts of him who thought evil of the king! Quicker and quicker she danced, till she lashed herself into such a frenzy of excitement that the foam flew in specks from her gnashing jaws, till her eyes seemed to start from her head and her flesh to quiver visibly. Suddenly she stopped dead and stiffened all over, like a pointed dog when he scents game. And then, with outstretched wand, she began to creep stealthily towards the soldiers before her. It seemed to us that as she came their stoicism gave way, and that they shrank from her. As for ourselves, we followed her movements with a horrible fascination. Presently, still creeping and crouching like a dog, the Isanusi was before them. Then she halted and pointed, and again crept on a pace or two. Suddenly the end came. With a shriek, she sprang in and touched a tall warrior with her forked wand. Instantly two of his comrades, those standing immediately next to him, seized the doomed man, each by one arm, and advanced with him towards the king. He did not resist, but we saw that he dragged his limbs as though they were paralyzed, and that his fingers from which the spear had fallen were limp like those of a man newly dead. As he came, two of the villainous executioners stepped forward to meet him. Presently they met, and the executioners turned round, looking towards the king as though for orders. "'Kill,' said the king. "'Kill!' squeaked Gagool. "'Kill!' re-echoed Scraga with a hollow chuckle. Almost before the words were uttered, the horrible deed was done. One man had driven his spear into the victim's heart, and to make assurance double sure, the other had dashed out his brains with a great club. One counted Twala the king, just like a black Madame Defarge, as Good said, and the body was dragged a few paces away and stretched out. Hardly was the thing done before another poor wretch was brought up like an ox to the slaughter. This time we could see, from the leopard-skin cloak which he wore, that the man was a victim of rank. Again the awful syllables were spoken, and the victim fell. Two, counted the king. And so the deadly game went on, till about a hundred bodies were stretched in rows behind us. I have heard of the gladiatorial shows of the Caesars and of the Spanish bullfights, but I take the liberty of doubting if either of them could be half so horrible as this Cucuana witch-hunt. Gladiatorial shows and Spanish bullfights, at any rate, contributed to the public amusement, which certainly was not the case here. The most confirmed sensation-monger would fight shy of sensation if he knew that it was well on the cards that he would, in his own proper person, 
be the subject of the next event. Once we rose and tried to remonstrate, but were sternly repressed by Twala. Let the law take its course, white men. These dogs are magicians and evildoers. It is well that they should die, was the only answer vouchsafed to us. About half-past ten there was a pause. The witch-finders gathered themselves together, apparently exhausted with their bloody work, and we thought that the performance was done with. But it was not so, for presently, to our surprise, the ancient woman, Gagool, rose from her crouching position, and supporting herself with a stick, staggered off into the open space. It was an extraordinary sight to see this frightful, vulture-headed old creature, bent nearly double with extreme age, gather strength by degrees, until at last she rushed about almost as actively as her ill-omened pupils. To and fro she ran, chanting to herself, till suddenly she made a dash at a tall man standing in front of one of the regiments and touched him. As she did this, a sort of groan went up from the regiment, which evidently he commanded. But two of its officers seized him all the same and brought him up for execution. We learned afterwards that he was a man of great wealth and importance, being indeed a cousin of the king. He was slain, and Twala counted one hundred and three. Then Gagool again sprang to and fro, gradually drawing nearer and nearer to ourselves. "'Hang me if I don't believe she is going to try her games on us,' ejaculated Good in horror. "'Nonsense,' said Sir Henry. "'As for myself, when I saw that old fiend dancing nearer and nearer, "'my heart positively sank into my boots. "'I glanced behind us at the long row of corpses and shivered. "'Nearer and nearer waltzed Gagool, "'looking for all the world like an animated crooked stick or comma, "'her horrid eyes gleaming and glowing with a most unholy luster.' Nearer she came, and yet nearer, every creature in that vast assemblage watching her movements with intense anxiety. At last she stood still and pointed. "'Which is it to be?' asked Sir Henry to himself. In a moment all doubts were at rest, for the old hag had rushed in and touched Umbopa, alias Ignosi, on the shoulder. "'I smell him out!' she shrieked. "'Kill him! Kill him! He is full of evils! Kill him! The stranger! Before blood flows from him! Slay him, O king!' There was a pause, of which I instantly took advantage. "'O king!' I called out, rising from my seat. "'This man is the servant of thy guests. He is their dog. Whosoever sheds the blood of our dog sheds our blood.' By the sacred law of hospitality, I claim protection for him. Gagool, mother of the witch-finders, has smelt him out. He must die, white men, was the sullen answer. Nay, he shall not die, I replied. He who tries to touch him shall die indeed. Seize him, roared Twala to the executioners. 
who stood round red to the eyes with the blood of their victims. They advanced towards us and then hesitated. As for Ignosi, he clutched his spear and raised it as though determined to sell his life dearly. "'Stand back, ye dogs!' I shouted. "'If you would see tomorrow's light, touch one hair of his head and your king dies.' And I covered Twala with my revolver. Sir Henry and Good also drew their pistols, Sir Henry pointing his at the leading executioner who was advancing to carry out the sentence, and Good taking a deliberate aim at Gagool. Twala winced perceptibly as my barrel came in a line with his broad chest. Well, I said, what is it to be, Twala? Then he spoke. Put away your magic tubes, he said. Ye have adjured me in the name of hospitality, and for that reason, but not from fear of what ye can do, I spare him. Go in peace. It is well, I answered unconcernedly. We are weary of slaughter and would sleep. Is the dance ahead? It is ended, Twala answered sulkily. Let these dead dogs, pointing to the long row of corpses, be flung out to the hyenas and the vultures. And he lifted his spear. Instantly the regiments began to defile through the corral gateway in perfect silence, a fatigue party only remaining behind to drag away the corpses of those who had been sacrificed. Then we rose also, and making our salaam to his majesty, which he hardly deigned to acknowledge, we departed to our huts. Well, said Sir Henry as we sat down, having first lit a lamp of the sort used by the Kukuanas, of which the wick is made from the fiber of a species of palm leaf and the oil from clarified hippopotamus fat. Well, I feel uncommonly inclined to be sick. If I had any doubts about helping Umbopa to rebel against that infernal blackguard, put in good, they are gone now. It was as much as I could do to sit still while that slaughter was going on. I tried to keep my eyes shut, but they would open just at the wrong time. I wonder where Infadus is. Umbopa, my friend, you ought to be grateful to us. Your skin came near to having an air hole made in it. I am grateful, Bugwan, was Umbopa's answer when I had translated. And I shall not forget... As for Infadus, he will be here by and by. We must wait. So we lit our pipes and waited. End of chapter 10